This is episode 33 of Hoops Forum, a production of Radius Athletics and a Quick Timeout podcast. He's Randy Sherman. I'm Tony Miller. And on today's show, we'll be talking playing without play calls, as well as some of the other best actions for your playbook this season. Before we get going, a big thanks to our sponsors over at 323 Sports. Basketball season right around the corner, and if there's anything left that you still have need of ordering, they have basketballs, scorebooks, anything, t-shirts, 323 Sports can get it to you on time and at a great price. To find out more about what they can do for your basketball program, visit 323sports.com or you can contact a rep at sales at 323sports.com. They'll be sure to do it right for your sports program. Randy, as coaches start shifting their full attention, I know a lot of them are involved in other things. They're athletic directors and setting mm-hmm. up for football and volleyball. But now they're really starting to think about basketball. Full attention is given to their basketball seasons. And maybe they're going through their playbooks. They might be adding new plays, replacing old plays. Yeah. What are some of the general suggestions that you have for coaches as we approach this season. These thoughts that I'm about to share sort of stem from recent conversations I've had with coaches who, like you mentioned, are are getting in that mode. You know, I'm talking to this coach, that coach, all separately and, and sometimes together. I'm hearing a lot of the same thing. Some general suggestions as practices near, or maybe for some people listening, they've already begun. And the season nears is is one one suggestion would be it's time to decide then delete decide then delete. So I talked to a lot of coaches who maybe been consuming a lot of things during the off season and practices nearing and they're kind of like you know what do you think should I do pick whatever you think coach but it's time to do that it's time to decide not and that's just not that's just the first step and then delete which would be like okay make a commitment this is this is our path forward this is what's going in the season and this is what's not and like forget about it so like the time to consume you know there's a season for everything and like consumption season's probably over it's time Mm -hmm. to synthesize what's going to be presented to our team just like men in black style like erase from our memory what's not going to be presented to our team and then proceed. I'd say secondly, what I've been working on with a lot of coaches, even this morning was like sort of crafting an implementation plan. Okay. Like we've decided we've deleted, this is what's going in. What's my implementation plan, whether that's planning out practices in sort of like a curriculum style of like, this is going in first, this is going in next. Like that, that's, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Deciding what order things are going to, to be implemented and why, and understanding you know, this builds upon that, or this needs to be first, and this follows with that. Like, that's what we're talking about. Thirdly, I would say that a general suggestion that I've, I've been, I, I hear this a lot from coaches, is like, coach, here's what I've got. We start practicing, I don't know, let's say October 20th, our first game is like November 8th. Do you think I can get this all in? in that? And I'm pushed back on that a little bit. And I say, like, your first game date is a false deadline. Like, your, your first game date is, is, a, is, is a completely arbitrary deadline to say, I've got to have everything in. I'm assuming you're going to keep practicing through the season. I'm assuming you're going to convene with your players between game one and game two. And you might, you know, like, okay, well, you know, we need to work on that again, or we need to uh, expand on that a little bit. But like this um, idea that that our first game date is some sort of like, date by by which we've got to get everything in is to me very arbitrary. And I would say if you're really that worried about it, 
that's probably a good red flag that you're considering too much information. Like if you do feel like I've got to get everything in by my first date and I don't think I can, then why are we bothering with this much stuff? Right. I'd say lastly is fit things together with a theme. Right, let me rephrase that. Have a theme with your playbook that like this is this is our identity and this is this is and things that go into this playbook really only fit with that. I'd look for outliers like this is just from a different shape or this doesn't this this is some play I like or some slob or blob I like. But like, you know, at its termination point, it doesn't really fit with what we do. So like, I, I can like it and also not use it. Right. Like I don't have to use it. It needs to sort of fit with our theme. Those are great. Yeah, uh, I mentioned in the introduction playing without play calls. And to that last point that you just gave there with your playbook, I wonder what coaches hear and think when they hear that phrase. Some of them may, you know, scary pipe mm-hmm. dream, <laughs> aspirational, <laughs> maybe a combination of those words. Maybe yeah, even some come... just aren't interested, right? Yeah, some yeah. just like, I'm not interested in that. Like, right. So like, what does playing without play calls, what does that mean, mean for you? I guess what it means for me is like we in this program have a style of play and we we practice in a manner that makes me, the coach, increasingly unnecessary. At the beginning of the year, say my first year, my first practices at a new job or my first head coaching job or something like that, I'm pretty necessary to my team as I present this information to them. But for me personally, my override, and I understand that on the front end, but for me personally, my motive, if you will, as we go on through the season, through seasons, is to make myself increasingly unnecessary. I have the knowledge. I have the vision at first. My motive is to impart that upon my players to where the way they see the game becomes the way I see the game. The way I see the game becomes the way they see the game. And that that, that sort of like disconnection between player and coach shrinks. We're the same. We see things the same. We approach it the same. So my motive, I think there are a lot of coaches who don't have that motive. They don't want to make themselves unnecessary, right? They they want to be the solution to every problem. You know, do what I say or run it like this, or that's that's not their motive. I wanted the motive to be almost like I'm raising a child. Like I want, my goal is to raise a good adult if I'm a parent. So I make myself increasingly unnecessary. When they're a baby, I'm highly necessary. But as they become older, I'm less necessary. I would put a finer point on what you have there at the bottom playing without play calling um, would be what we're not talking about is we're not talking about playing without structure. We're not talking about playing roll the balls out or, you know, playground ball or something like that. We're, we're calling what we're saying we mean is means playing without calls like the players have con- ownership. I'm in khakis on the sideline. Right. So they're the ones on the court. They need the ownership. So that that's where we're going with this. I have found that my role has changed in this type of coaching. The result is not necessarily that you're useless as a coach. It's just that you have a different role. And I think it allows for additional opportunities for feedback. I'm able to change my attention from playing chess to telling somebody that wasn't as great of a move as you could have made. Let's Mm -hmm. make this move instead. And so I have found that it's almost more fun that way because of the nature of basketball. Again, how we've talked about the messiness in it, you end up helping them learn how to address their own problems within the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I found it to be more fun than than even the the chess piece of we're going to come down and run this horns play and hey, my play. While you, you may feel great about yourself because your horns play worked, 
what ends up happening when the team takes away your horns play? Then you're kind of, that's when we lose games. Playing from this conceptual nature has it's had multiple benefits. We'll come back and talk about the benefits a little yeah. bit later. You know, a lot of us, I know people that, that probably are listening to this and follow the both of us are already familiar with this. But again, what I have found is they are always looking for better ways to go about implementing this and teaching this and just becoming better at helping their players learn how to play without play calls. Yeah. So that's my next question is how do you go about uh, instituting this kind of, of offense? The all important first step would be that it's that it's your goal and that we practice this way. My goal or, or is for us to sort of be able to do this on our own without coach intervention or coach interjection, especially into live play, right? So that means we have to practice in a certain way that doesn't feel, say, maybe like a dress rehearsal or running through routines. We have to practice in a way that is slightly different. And it has to be our goal. Like, I, this is what I want. If it's not what you want, you're not going to, you know, uh, pursue that. Um, but so I'd say there are many ways to get to that point. You already mentioned one it would be it'd be pivot toward a more motion or conceptual style offense, like where playing without plays doesn't, again, doesn't mean we're playing without structure. It just means sort of we begin with a spacing template, like we're four out, five out. These are our spots. And then we have a list of concepts that we adhere to that they might come out sounding like do's or don't do's and don'ts. Like when you pass, you cut here. And like the, the, the concepts are sort of like the laws, if you will, that govern over our play. And my role as the coach is sort of to be the um, policeman of those concepts of like, here's our spacing template. Here's like a list of our five main concepts, pass screen for the guy below you. Something could sound like a lot of things like, motion style pass cut you know drive double gaps stay out of single gaps whatever that like our our do's and don'ts are sort of like the laws governing the land and i'm sort of the person who looks over that and sees that our players adhere to those or don't and when they don't i point it out when they do you know the possession ends up looking how we want it to look that's one way another way would be to sort of say have an, an offense that sort of has enough heft to stand alone like like we're probably, you know, something like Princeton or something that, that that can be very multiple. That's like our way of playing, but it can exist without calls. For example, I just let the ball call to play. Teach our players to transition a certain way. And as we're transitioning into the from defense to offense, we don't know what we're going to run. I'm not hollering it out from the sideline. But what we get into is based on where the ball goes. Does the point guard hit the wing? Does the point guard hit the trail? Does the point guard keep it and get dropped? get a drag screen sit for him or her like like all of those things sort of unlock what the possession's going to get to next and and so on and so forth i call that letting the ball call the play just like i don't know like you know i, I think of an example might be like a north carolina secondary break they 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 run to these spots but and and the guys bringing the ball and if they throw ahead they run wing option if they hit the trail man they run pass reversal if they that's that's a very common way and that that again that's not playing without structure the secondary break is the structure our our passing and cutting game is the structure so that would be another way to to let the ball call the play i think the third way i think when i was early in my coaching career ran a lot of motion offense was influenced with people like uh bob knight and rick majerus and and like what they would tell you is like, what, why do I need to call a play? All we run is motion offense. Like, what are you looking at me for? This is this is the way we play in this gym. Just do it. That's what 
motion offense or a conceptual style offense is. It's a spacing template married with some do's and don'ts, and you just practice it day after day. It's like there's no reason to look to coach to call anything. Like this is all we do in this gym. So that's the easiest way to play without calls is like we have one option. Communicating to the players to help them understand what we're trying to accomplish here is something that I've been thinking a lot about this year. And it's what we've said for years is is great offense. It's spacing, which is typically starts with your alignment. There's a Mm -hmm. whole episode devoted to that that Randy and I have several months back. Mm -hmm. And then it's ball movement on the bounce, attacking space, or with a pass to find an advantage. And then it's player movement based off of where the ball is. I create space to give the ball room to breathe and I get in a location so the ball can find me what you just said there. Mm -hmm. And it's preaching to them over and over and over spacing, correct ball movement and correct player movement. You know, again, I've just been trying to think as much about how can I make this simple for my players to understand that we're not just running plays. Man, it just sounds so simple when it comes out of my mouth, and it has been a process of like three years of listening to you and some of the other guys that Mm -hmm. I really have learned a lot from to make it simple for my guys. You know, from that perspective of the benefits, I Mm -hmm. I think I just included some of those, but what have been some of the benefits that you found both for your overall system Mm -hmm. and then the benefits for the players too to become better basketball players? Yeah, I would say the main benefit would be the gap between player and coach closes or, or gets close to closing. You're a coach. You, you're passionate about this. You study it. You're an adult who this, you've made a career out of this. And you're coaching young people who have not been around the game as long as you. So there exists a gap between your knowledge of the game and theirs. And it may be this big. If you're watching, I've got my hands separated by about a foot or so, right? Like, at the beginning of the season or when you first get hired on at a new place, that that gap may be great, especially for the way you want the game played between the player's knowledge and your job is to close that gap. That's a good goal. It's like, I want, I want the players to see the game the way I do. Coaches who maybe aren't interested in a conceptual playing without play style, they're okay with that gap existing. Like, I know you just do it. You just adhere. And there's lots of good teams that exist that way. I would equate that to my wife. Um, she's always amazed. I'm not bragging, but she's she's amazed that like I can speak Spanish, right? And I'm like, well, you know, I had Spanish class, didn't you? Yeah, I had Spanish class. I had got an A in it. Well, yeah, you just passed the class. You didn't learn any. Just doing what I say is almost like just get the grade, just pass the assignments, just do the thing. But like, like you didn't learn the game. So it's that cliche of learning to play rather than run plays. I'd say another benefit is give ownership to the players. They're the ones out there. I'm in khakis. They're out there having to deal with the live bullets, the the, the stimulation of the game. I would say, and you've already touched on this, it's a fun way to coach. It's rewarding to see players learn. I'm assuming probably next you'll ask me about some warnings or some downsides. I don't make many guarantees. But this is one I will make. If you're going to be pivot from a coach who's like very play driven, run the play, run the offense, joysticking the deal like like from the sidelines, and you're like, yeah, yeah, I want to do this. Again, I don't make many guarantees. This is one I will. It it will be ugly on the front end. Not might be, not yeah, it might be ugly, coach. Like, no, it will be ugly on the front end. 
and you know, in a way that's your fault. If I was a very strict parent, right. And I kept my, my child super strict rules and then they get a little bit of freedom and just kind of like, don't know how to deal with it. Kind of, I kind of asked for that. Right. <laughs> like, you know, like I, I, I kind of asked for that. So I think it will be ugly in proportion to your level of joystickiness prior to that. Like if you're super joysticky and you want to go this way, it's going to be really ugly because while you may have some players who look like basketball players who dress like them, who play the game, like when you give them this level of freedom, they're not going to, they're going to make a lot of mistakes. So if you can't deal with a little bit of ugliness on the front end, like just scroll past, right? I would say this sounds like something that all players would like. All players, another, this is another warning would be, you would think that a player would like, I don't, I'm trying, I want to just play coach. Like you, like I found there were some players who really didn't like playing. They wanted to be told what to do. They wanted the, the, the structure and they felt like kind of lost out there without it and mm -hmm. didn't like the way that felt. My last warning would be like, even if we're conceptual and we're playing without plays and we're letting the ball call the player, however that's going to look for you, your team can still fall into habits. I remember one time I asked for a scouting report from a coach who eliminated my team in the playoffs. I knew the coach and I was like, hey, I'm sure you did a scouting report on us. We're out. Y'all are advancing. Congratulations. I want to know when you watched my team play, what did you see? And even though we were a, you know, kind of let the ball call the play type team in her notes was they always do this. They, they, they almost always blankety blank. And I was like, yeah, you know what? Like we, we have these habits and that, that playing this way is supposed to move you away from those. That's one of the arguments you'll hear coaches say for playing emotion concept is like we're unpredictable or you can really kind of fall into habits as a team. And I felt like my job as a coach was to sort of like be on the lookout and keep my finger on the pulse of those habits. And be like, you know, we need to hit the wing more. We need to reverse more. We need to, we're getting, we're just too much passing screen you know, need to, it's somehow ended up looking like a structured pattern type thing when that's really not its intent. So those are some warnings that even though you're moving this direction, your team kind of can get comfortable with certain things. And just like, even though you're not calling it, it's what, what, what's happening way too often. I have found that they will end up running a play rather than seeing what's in yep. front of them and reacting based off of that. Absolutely. And I try to make it simple for them to understand. They often forget the point of the game is to get buckets mm -hmm. and it just, again, becomes passing around the perimeter or running to the same spot all the time. And like you said, that be, that's not the purpose of what we're trying to accomplish here. Yeah, and if um, I notice that on film, like I'm watching our play and it's like, man, we're kind of, yeah, like we just dribble handoff to the guy below. It's like five possessions in a row. Like I, then, then I would I would hope I can kind of address that in the moment, a timeout, halftime, between quarters, et cetera. But if, if I didn't, I can address that in practice by using some restrictions in practice like, hey, we're going to play 4v4 change, but I'm, I'm restricting you from using dribble and dribble entry or whatever, because like we're leaning on that. So I'm like sort of like asking them to sort of get into some different habits that that are maybe the ones that are sort of top of mind right now. And over time, we get more multiple as a result. All right. Last big question here. You've said this before, but there are a lot of coaches who think that more is better. And in reality, what they possess is probably enough to win them sure. games and maybe even win them championships. 
And so this balance between just kind of throwing out everything coach Randy said for me to just play conceptually versus, you know, what, what do I need in mm-hmm. this playbook? I, I have some plays here, but what do you, what do you consider essential? And then at what point are we kind of overdoing things? Yeah. I have this phrase I call outlining the game. I think it's important for a coach to decide what model they're going to use to outline the game and like think of Roman numeral one, Roman numeral two, like an actual outline, right? Like how do you organize the game in your head? So what would be essential to me is like, let's look at the four phases of the game, transition offense to offense, to transition defense to defense. So if we're talking about what's absolutely just the bare minimum essential is like, I kind of want to coach the way we transition connect that to our offense. What are we going, what's the, you know, what's, what are we going to teach in transition defense and then recovering back into our base defense. And I can feel like at least on the front end, again, first game's my, not a deadline that I can, I can subsist on one big thing for each of those phases, right? Like this is our transition offense, not sometimes it's this, sometimes it's that it's this one thing. And it connects with our half court offense, which is this. And it, you know, we have a few options that we begin our possession with, but like outlining the game helps me arrive at a minimum that I need. Um, another way I sometimes outline the game is making a dividing line between live ball and dead ball when we begin a possession. So if we get a defensive rebound, that's a live ball beginning to the possession. If we force a turnover, that's a live ball beginning of the possession. If we get scored upon, Field, uh, opponent makes a layup or hits a three, we get scored upon. That is a live ball change of possession. So in those moments, I'm sort of like leaning on those four, the, our transition offense. Like I'm not calling anything. So I need those essential things to subsist because during live play, we're just going to use those four things, those four major, our four major tactical frameworks in each one of those four phases. Dead ball, there's possessions that don't begin in a live fashion. We, we're on defense. The other team double dribbles. We get the ball back. They're back. Their defense is set. I need at least some sort of package, maybe to sort of kickstart an advantage in those situations. So I would say something to be thinking about in your preseason planning is how are we going to begin those possessions that don't start with flow and thrust that, that's inherent when we change possession live ball? We obviously probably going to play zone or man. So we need to at least, you know, have, have that something to begin the season with that, that addresses when we come down into offense, we might see man, we might see zone. So that's a bare minimum thing to me a zone offense. If we were to move this conversation over to drilling, what's essential in practice would be the first thing I tried to do was just like eliminate redundancy in our drilling, like how to get down to the essential, like, we don't need like five different wing closeout drills because we're just drilling the same thing, right? And like we can we can do that in one way first, at least, right? And then I'd say things that don't fit. We already talked about having a theme. Things that don't fit with that theme for that I'm going to have with our packages aren't essential to me in this gym. They they might be in someone else's, but they don't make it into this gym. Most coaches probably have too much in their playbook and even the categories that you mentioned there are three zone offenses or three zone defenses or five 
you know, I don't know that you need any more than five or eight out of bounds plays. I do think the coaches or the players probably can memorize and remember more things, more things than we think that they can. But then you go to the extreme again. What's your overall philosophy? Do I want to play more out of concept or do I want to be joysticking everything? You will end up going back to, I'm saying this from experience, you'll go back to whatever you're most comfortable with if you leave yourself the option of going back to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and typically that is going back to more plays. So a lot of the stuff that you just talked about are, you mentioned at the beginning, conversations that you've had with your coaches and your coaches exist in your ramp program. And this year at the beginning of the season, I want to give you an opportunity to kind of direct people towards where they can find out more about that because um, I'm getting it kind of for free because yeah. I get to talk with Randy every weekend. No, um, it's, it's good. But these are things that um, regular meetings that he will have, and I won't steal all your thunder. Can you tell them what's available and then also where they can find out more about those resources? I would say what's available would be just sort of my eyes and ears and the eyes and ears of some other coaches that I, you know, have, have you know, kind of formed in a community. Um, I'd say the best way to learn about it is reach out to me, radiusathletics.com, contact form. You can email me, Randy at Radius Athletics, DM me on Twitter. Um, something that I would encourage those that are thinking about doing something like this, it gives you another assistant coach sure. without the assistant. If, if you can't afford or can't find somebody like that, the additional eyes and ears that Randy can watch film with you or give you feedback on things or just – as a younger coach, having somebody that's older, and I would say beyond the, well, who's this guy if somebody happens upon this mm-hmm. that doesn't know who Randy Sherman is? It's something where it's as, <laughs> it's, well, it's as valuable that he has had the connections and the interactions with literally hundreds of coaches and has been gaining information from them as well as giving mm-hmm. information from them in addition to the fact that he's been a coach for years as well. And I think that's a different perspective, which is why going back to why we even started this, I wanted to do something with Randy because I can talk to another coach that's coaching or I can talk to somebody who coaches coaches. And I think that's probably the most valuable asset that Randy can provide for you there. So be sure to go check out all of that. Before we wrap things up, do want to thank our sponsors at Sideline Interactive. Their scores, tables, and scoreboards are awesome and will improve your gym. They will help raise you literally thousands of dollars, the potential to help raise you thousands of dollars there in your gym. You can find out more about Sideline Interactive at sidelineinteractive.com and they will set you up with something that will, like I said, make your gym look even better than I'm sure it already does. Appreciate all of you who joined us this week. If by chance you missed any part of the live show, you can go back and watch that at Radius Athletics on YouTube. Just simply search Hoops Forum and Radius Athletics, or you can go to any podcast platform, type in a quick timeout, and there you'll find the audio version of the show as well. We'll be back again next week on Hoops Forum.